Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hi, welcome to Canada's podcast. I'm your host, Celine Williams, and I am here today with Marie Chevrier, who is the founder and CEO of Sampler, the leading platform helping brands like L'Oreal and Nestle deliver samples online and gather the insight they need to build one-to-one relationships with their customers. Sampler has reached over 50 million consumers globally in 24 different countries, and its most notable clients include CPG industry giants Unilever, Pepsi, and Henkel. Marie, thank you for joining me today. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Uh, We have a few things we're going to talk about, but first of all, I would love for you to share with our listeners what your what your journey has been as an entrepreneur to get you where you are, how Sampler started and how you've grown this incredible business. Yeah. So Sampler's actually been around for seven years. So long, uh, long journey. I think like a lot of misconceptions in the startup space is that, uh, you know, the companies that you see are uh, getting some excitement, exciting news. They've been maybe around for just a few years, but actually, no, we've, Sampler's been around for seven years and the journey really started um, long before that when I was in college and was one of the brand ambassadors that you see on street corners and in grocery stores handing out free samples. Even back then, I felt um, that product sampling was one part of the marketing mix that although it was incredibly valuable at building relationships was really not digitized and kind of done the old way. Um, and so that the idea sparked then. Um, and it would be probably like something like five to six years later um, that I actually would put that idea um, into what became Sampler. And in between then, I worked in agency. I worked um, in digital marketing. I worked in VC. So I built a ton of experience in what would end up you know, making me a well-rounded founder, I think, um, in the digital product sampling space. So yeah, that's kind of how it got there. I did not know. I knew Sampler had been around a while. I remember the name from a few years ago, but I didn't realize it had been seven years. That's, that's really incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is, you know, it, it's so funny because it, I'm, we'll talk a lot about like <laughs> feelings and all the things that go into building a business, but Oddly enough, I remember like celebrating our fourth uh, anniversary and birthday and thinking to myself like, ooh, like, do I want to tell people we've been around for four years? Like, uh, like it felt like maybe it wasn't like a badge of honor. It was something like I should be embarrassed of because like, should I be further uh, at that stage? And now like we've been around for seven years. We've employed like, you know, I actually don't know the exact number, but like tens of people um into in, in during that time and generated a ton of great value for different brands so yeah like be proud of that number seven years is uh is great and i like to think it's going to be lucky number seven this year and we're going to do even greater things <laughs> i have no doubt and actually i love what you just brought up and i want to i don't want to skip past it which is that i think a lot of founders a lot of entrepreneurs whether they're solopreneurs or or running a business where they're employing people I think they there is this unspoken shame for a lot of them about where they're at in their journey versus where other companies are at in their journey. And they see the glorification of, you know, if they're, especially in tech, if they're, they're getting funding, it's getting funding is glorified. 
you know, hitting a million dollars as a solo entrepreneur is glorified. There's all these benchmarks that are, we've set arbitrarily. And if founders, entrepreneurs aren't there, there's a sense of shame associated with it because you're not at that benchmark. And I think it's really interesting that you felt that at the four-year mark, some version of that where it's like, am I far enough along? How did you move through that? How did you, because I think it's a really common starting point for some discomfort for founders. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think gaining perspective is really important. So as much as you might see um, that everyone's highlight reel looks like they're raising money, they're hiring a bunch of people, they're closing deals. Once you develop a great peer group of uh, entrepreneurs and you start talking um, about like, hey, where are you at? You realize like some companies have raised a lot more money but are way behind you on, on revenue or things. So it's all relative. So I do think that gaining the perspective, having honest conversations with other founders is a really good way. But also I think that we've all been lucky in this unluckiness that 2020 has been, has been right? Like obviously there's been an incredibly challenging year, but I come out of 2020 and the pandemic with large lessons and You know, it's really cool right now in the middle of a pandemic, a highly profitable revenue generating business and a strong team, right? So I I think that some of the, some of the, you know, sexy things, uh, sexy (laughs) things that, you know, the startup culture might have um, like put out in the past will probably be recalibrated through this time. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Can I ask what some of the lessons that you've learned from the pandemic are? So many, but, 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 but yeah, like cash is king. Right. And, um, and I think that that's like the largest one at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, Sampler was actually just launching its series a financing. Um, and so we were at that point where we needed that next injection of cash as a venture backed business to get to the next step. And we looked around and we were like, oh my God, like this is a very crazy time. Um, And lucky for us, Sampler is not a business that suffered through uh, like a decline in sales during the pandemic because, you know, we help brands digitize product sampling. So when product sampling wasn't possible via the pandemic, a lot of the budgets actually transferred to digital and are staying on digital, which is so exciting. So we were one of those opportunity, you know, uh, businesses. So we got a lot of attention around the raise, but for like a hot two weeks, <laughs> very hot <laughs> two weeks, I wondered like, are, are, what are the trends that are going to be driving the pandemic? Will people be concerned about receiving shipments at home? Can COVID-19 be actually transmitted toward, through, through this? So, um, so the largest, the largest lesson is cashing is king. And we were, we were able to go ahead and, and raise our series eight during the pandemic, but there's companies that, you know, there's business models well-known out there, like, you know, Uber who early in the pandemic, you know, uh, or Airbnb who like early in the pandemic saw their revenues like completely go down. Right. And so with cash and bank or, um, like a highly profitable business before 
um, you're way more well positioned to face the unexpected. So watch your watch your financials. And when I say cash is king, I'm not saying go raise a billion dollars. <laughs> I am not saying we would Quibi did, uh, but. I'm saying watch, watch your cash, watch your cash flow, make sure you're building at the right pace, right? I think it sounds like such a simple, I'm air quoting as well, right? It sounds like such simple advice to, to keep an eye on your cash flow and really be on top of it. And so many entrepreneurs and founders, it's just not how they operate. That's not their zone of genius, if you like, and, and it's something that someone else deals with and they're not really tapped into it. And I think it's a really, I think it's an important, not even a great reminder. I think it's an important reminder that staying on top of that and being aware and, and getting cash flow positive before you need to be is a, an ideal situation. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit because Part of the reason that we're here is to talk about uh, mental health and entrepreneurs. And you wrote a really um, wonderful article on LinkedIn. We'll link it in the show notes last November um, around your experience with burnout as a founder. Um, and I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your experience um, and how that's impacted you. For sure. So, I mean, seven years. Uh, so last year, it had been six years that I had been building this business um, and working at 120% capacity. And, you know, I'm no different than anybody else that's working at a startup right now. Whether you recognize it or not, you're working way too much. Um, and it's okay. It's great. It's awesome. Like, I know why you do it. You're driven. It's amazing. But at one point, it gets, it, it's going to hit ahead. Um, if you don't take care of it. And for me, um, it was last year that it, um, I just, a lot was going on, like, um, you know, maybe not, to be honest, that much more level of like stress than usual, but just like, it just kind of accumulated to a lot at one point. Um, and what I started seeing as signs of my burnout was that I was, um, I was struggling with memory. So I would like often be like in a meeting and talking and thinking like, I don't remember having this conversation or I was struggling with processing thoughts. Um, and I was really exhausted. Like you go to bed at night and you wake up and you're not rested, even though you've had an eight hour night's sleep. Um, and I, I started getting emotional sometimes, like taking, uh, needing to take moments to go in a stand-up room and just like cry my eyes out. Um, and it was just very unlike me. So, um, so if you're feeling like you're seeing mood changes that, and you're, you're often telling yourself like, hey, this doesn't feel like me, like I feel different. Um, you know, you, you might be dealing with something that's not a physical um, problem, but actually a uh, mental problem um, that you need to address. So for me, I, um, it, it became clear that I was going through a burnout. And so at that time, I decided it was time to stop. And like, and I, that is my first piece of advice is like, if you feel like you're going down that route, stop. And I know exactly the thought everyone that's hearing this is having right now. Marie, I can't stop. There's no way I can stop. They're like, I'm the founder. I can't stop. 
or like I lead a team, I can't stop or I have this big contract coming up, I can't stop. You can stop. Everybody can stop. And the biggest thing is if you don't stop, you will be forced to stop uh, because mental health is a very, burnout is a very concerning issue. And it starts as maybe something that is more like these like mental signals, um, but it becomes physical and it needs to at, at one point be taken care of. So stop. <laughs> uh, before you stop or as you stop, just know that you can rely on your team is the other thing that I always say. So for me, you know, yes, I'm a sole founder, but I have an incredible team, a leadership team that is just so amazing. And when I went to them and said, guys, I'm going through a burnout, like I am completely burnt out. I need to take some time off. I wasn't like, I wouldn't say surprised, but I was like excited to see that not only was I met with um, incredible amounts of support, but that they they saw me as a better leader, I believe, um, and they saw me as a human uh, more uh, than they had ever seen me before. And many of them said, "Like, of course you are. <laughs> like, of course you are. Uh, there's no no one person that could do as much as you're doing, right?" Um, and so so yeah, so so stop and get your army around you to support you and they will and they will surprise you and in, in, uh, in, in how they react and be incredibly supportive i'm sure thank you for sharing that i think um one of the things you said that really i want to highlight is the idea that when you were sitting in meetings and you'd be thinking i don't remember that in you know sort of memory brain fog memory disconnects whatever you want to call it I think a lot of people overlook that as a symptom of something bigger. Yeah. I think they, right. You're just like, oh, I'm a little too tired. I didn't have a coffee today. It's just been a busy day. And we don't recognize that that is a sign of something bigger going on quite often. So I love that you brought that up specifically because I, there are a lot of people that have those moments and it's not until it's way past the point that they even think about it as a symptom. Unless you're pregnant, which that that happens a lot <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yes. yeah, no, no, 100%. And that's, that's, that's why I bring it up is because I think, I think you need to look for those subtle cues. Um, and, and it, it doesn't, like, I, it's not a dramatic thing. It's not like a, it's not like a, you don't get like a sticker on your forehead. Like I'm burnt out. Like it's, it's not something that happens. Like it, it's, it's, and there's different degrees. Um, but it could be as subtle as just like, yeah, your, your memory giving up a little. If you, I'm going to ask two questions. We're going to start with this one. If you think back to before you recognize that you were burnt out, when you think back to that, can you see a pattern of buildup to get to that point that you were ignoring? Or was it longer term versus shorter term sort of thing? And, and if so, how did it escalate for you? Or what was your experience with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if you felt this way, um, like the adrenaline feeling um, of like, oh my God, like I'm going to the next meeting and like you're, you're go, 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 go. And like, for me, it was 
I'm going to the next meeting in London. I'm going to the next meeting in San Francisco. Like I'm going to the next, like I was going hotel room to hotel room to, you know, meeting to meeting to like large conversation to another. I was juggling, like at that time, I was actually living 50% in Toronto, 50% in the US, in New York. It was nuts. And I will tell you, I probably was for a good period of 18 months on that adrenaline. Like, go, go, go. And it's such a thrilling feeling. It's probably the most exciting feeling. Like you, you're just, you're happy, you're excited. You're like, everything's amazing. Um, but you have to stop and realize like, it's so unsustainable, right? Like your body is working on hyperdrive. So yeah, so like the contrast now of, you know, stay at home orders has really showed me that like, you know, there, what was that life I was living? There's no way that someone could stay like that. So I think in the end, um, that might've been the biggest one is like that. And then the other one I would point out is negative self thoughts. So I often tell people like, think back about your internal dialogue for the last hour and how many of that, of the thoughts that were going through your mind were positive and how many were negative. And I'd say like, as much as I was excited about everything, I was executing so fast that I was like totally negative in my head, right? Like in my head, I would be like, oh, you're so silly, you forgot your passport, or oh, you're so silly, you like missed that street quarter, or like you didn't say this in your meeting. And yeah, so that's another sign too. So that adrenaline rush, too long and the negative self-thought. I think that adrenaline is great. It does so many wonderful things for us and we are not meant to operate in that state of heightened adrenaline for any period of time. We're just not, our bodies can't handle it. You know, it's, it creates all kinds of signal issues for us physically, let alone, you know, inside of our brain. So I think that that's a really great point. I Last year, I traveled over six months. I tend normal, normal years, I travel for speaking quite a bit. And so last year, I was out of the country for more than six months. And I came back at at the mid November. And then I don't think I traveled until the beginning of January. And I was like, those like six weeks of no traveling, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to find a better balance going forward. So I can't imagine 18 months living in two locations plus travel on top of that. Like, it's a lot. It's unsustainable, and and kudos to you for recognizing, at a you know at, at to at a certain point in the joy of pandemic year is being able to stay a bit more settled. It's fun. It's lots of fun. I will, you know, I can write a book about it. I think, but um, but yeah, at one point it hits its head. And I think that's the challenge: is that it is fun in the moment. And I think that that's often what precedes burnout. To what you're saying is that in the moment it feels fun because you're traveling and explore. I mean, travel is the example here, but closing big deals, whatever your version of that is, it feels fun and exciting in the moment. And we don't give ourselves the opportunity and moment to rest between or to pull back between. It just becomes the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And that's where it becomes unsustainable. For sure. For sure. And I wanted to touch on the negative self-talk that you talked about as well, because most of us have those conversations, thoughts, processes running through our heads just on an auto loop subconsciously. We're not thinking of it because our brains are 
we're they're meant to be wired for negativity to keep us safe and our brain is not smart enough to distinguish between thoughts keeping us safe versus a, a real attack right and i it's challenging for people to even recognize that that's happening so i think your suggestion of think back to the last hour is a really great one because then it's not think about your negative thoughts in general yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question I would have for you is, I have two. The first question is, do you have any other suggestions for, for founders who are struggling or feeling like they might be on the edge of burnout that worked for you or that you have seen work for other people? And then the second question is, besides stay-at-home orders for the pandemic, how do you think you will change your approach going forward to ensure that it doesn't happen to you again? Yeah. So. I'll get really specific on like coping mechanisms. Uh, I think that's uh, that's important. So I really fell in love with meditation throughout my struggle. Um, so like, you know, everyone probably knows some level about meditation, but the beauty about meditation is that if you do it well, and it's actually like I took a teacher training because I wanted to get really good at it. Um, and it's not that hard to get good at it. Like, you just got to dedicate the time. But if you get good at it, what it actually does is it allows you not to think (laughs) for a period of time. And whether that's one minute, two minutes, five minutes of not thinking, it is literally the most rejuvenating feeling in life, Um, especially as someone who's go, 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 go. So my meditation routine is typically at the end of the day because in the morning I'm like so excited to get going. I want to get to my to-do list. I want to get things done. But when I need to transition into like home life um, at the end of the day, I need a moment to let go of all of these other thoughts and have a minute not to think. And once you've trained your brain not to think for a period of time, there's just an element of relaxation that goes in um, and it allows you to really like separate your day. So really, really highly suggest um, meditation. I also suggest you auditing your calendar like really, really intensely. I have a routine where on Sundays, which, you know, for most people working, working, um, you know, some people would say don't work on the weekends. I, I say you should work on the weekend for not a long time, but probably one to three hours at minimum, like uh, 30 minutes to go ahead and audit your week um, and take a look. My, if I'm looking at my calendar right now on the southern screen and I'm looking at it and it's really, really packed, right? And what, what you want to look for is what are the meetings I have this week? What are the tasks that need to be completed in order for that meeting to be productive? Do I have time in my calendar to prepare for that meeting? Do I need any other things? Do I need other people to help me get prepared? Um, And ultimately make time to say, oh, if we were traveling to a place, do I have the 15 minutes to get there? And if, and if if I only have 15 minutes, can I make that 45 minutes so I can walk through Bryan Park and look around, right? Like, so audit your calendar, make sure it's taking it's taking into account any stressful situations you might be in. 
Because like how many times do we schedule things back to back and we're like, oh, I'll be 15 minutes late. I'll jump into a cab, right? Like that is not, a, that is not helping your mental health. So audit your calendar is my, uh, is my, my other thing. And I actually want to, I love that. And I think that in pandemic times, people have become much worse at auditing their calendar and, and are backing things up on each other way more than they would even before this. And I think that that is really important now in general, but now especially because people are like, oh, well, I'm home anyways. I might as well just do call after call after meeting after meeting. And that's, that is a recipe for burnout. It is. It is. And yeah, it's, it's just not normal. <laughs> and like, we're seeing so many people like eating lunch at their desk. It's like, you're literally home. Like you should be using, you should be doing a load of laundry at the same time. Like you should be enjoying um, but we're not. So yeah, so those are my tips. And to, to your point about like, what will I do differently um, now, like that I've we've gone through the pandemic, I think like travel for my husband and I is like, we've had this conversation, like it's just, it's just going to be very different. So like the ratio at which uh, I will decide that this needs to be an, an in-person meeting will probably be like, there, the criteria will probably be my, much higher, right? Like, there's literally people like I. One of my investors would be like, "Oh, um, why don't you come to London so you can meet this person?" Like that is illogical. <laughs> Let's meet on a Zoom call. And I think that, like, I think that a lot of people are going to are going to change that. Um, and I think that that's really positive. And yeah, I think my appreciation for the importance of work-life balance as a leader has also really been huge um, change. Um, I've always been like super transparent about like my struggles and honest about like, you know, the importance of balance. But when the pandemic hit and our company got busier, everyone's lives was completely changed, right? You you're either um, having kids that are in and out of school or um, you have, you're living alone and you're feeling really lonely or God forbid someone, you know, you know, got sick, right? Like, so there's all these things that people are dealing with and have been happening at the same time as them getting busier at work. Yeah. It's really pushed us to think about how are we going to be as a company supporting our team members and it's exciting like it's it's exciting to see that shift it's not just in our company i'm seeing i'm seeing the conversations happen in every company it's okay now to say it's okay to block off like lunch with kids <laughs> right um in your calendar and it's i i saw that one of my colleagues um uh, calendars and I was so excited about it because I was like he feels comfortable doing that um, in our organization so yeah I love it I love that part of it and I think you're right I think it's gonna I, I also am really excited that that's happening in companies and and that leaders are seeing the benefit and value in it so truly thank you for modeling it and sharing that with our audience because I think it's really powerful to hear the story, to hear your story and how you have changed what you're doing and what, you know, what that impact is now. So thank you very much for coming and sharing with us 
it's been really great to spend this time with you and, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time.